Welcome to this episode of Laughing Without Liquor, a woman's guide to living it up without the booze. Join your long-term recovery hosts, Lane Kennedy and Tamar Medford, as they have insightful conversations with others on an alcohol-free journey. We're glad you're here. Now let's dive into this episode. Laughing Without Liquor, the content presented on the Laughing Without Liquor website and podcast is for informational purpose only and not intended to diagnose or treat disease. Before making any changes to your nutrition or supplementation, please make sure to check with your physician or healthcare provider. Laughing Without Liquor podcast is for general information purpose only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including or giving medical advice, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition that they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare profession. So we're just letting you know that we're here sharing our experience and we want you to take your health serious. So that's our disclaimer. Enjoy the show. We're live. Boom, chakalaka. Ready to roll. (laughs) I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm hanging out with my friend Tamar Medford. And I'm hanging out with my friend Lane Kennedy. We get to hang out with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And we also get to hang out with, ready for the ditty? Yeah, Mars Belize. <laughs> That's me. Mars <laughs> You got it. Oh, it's so brilliant. Uh, I think, you know, as you're listening today, have an open mind around parenting and around, and, and even if you don't have kids, I think this conversation is going to uh, perhaps support you or provoke thought around caring for yourself in a new way, right? So Marsley, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, tell our listeners just a little, like a little bit of background. Like, yeah, just give us, give them a quick update. Okay. Um, I am a certified executive and career coach. I'm also a certified positive discipline parenting trainer and early childhood educator trainer. And I've been doing this since about 2012. Before that, my life was in corporate America. So I worked in management consulting right out of undergrad. I got my MBA from Harvard. I went and worked in marketing at the Clark's company for 10 years before making, deciding after some major life events that um, I wanted to do something different. I took a few years off to figure out what that was. And um, after some exploration, landed in, ended up in a class by the Coactive Training Institute on coaching. And in my first day, I felt, oh my gosh, I found it. This is what I want to do. Um, the class was under-enrolled and it was had five uh, modules over five months, but it was under-enrolled. So they weren't going to offer the next module for another three or four months. I was like, oh no, I finally found it and I have to wait 
But while I was waiting, I got an invitation serendipitously to become certified with a positive discipline association. And I have three kids and I had three kids at the time, the youngest in preschool. And I was just, I just said, well, heck, I'll do it. I got, I'm waiting. And if, if nothing else, this will be great um, practice and great help to support me as a parent. So I did get certified and I fell in love with it. Um, and when I got back, uh, the parents were dropping their kids off at preschool and they were all complaining about how hard it was to get their kid out of the house and into the preschool. And, and I said, well, I just got certified. Should, would you like me to do a free workshop on getting kids out of the house in the morning? And so they said, yes, I did a free workshop. It was super successful. And, and, and that started me off on teaching parenting classes, which I did for the next 10 years. I stopped doing that about three years ago. Then anyway, I got my certification in coaching and have never looked back. I have three kids. Uh, They are now 24, 21, and 17. So I will say that while I am certified to teach parenting with positive discipline, I am not a perfect parent. That's not going to surprise anybody here, right? I hope not. even though I live and breathe this stuff, it's still freaking hard. And I learn stuff all the time. I'm constantly learning as a parent. I'm grateful that I have this background and this tool, these tools and the philosophy and mindset to carry me through those hard times. Boy, really grateful. And it's, um, I'm always learning. I love that you said you're not a perfect parent because I think, you know, and Lane and I have had this conversation and and probably with other guests as well, is that just because we teach this stuff does not mean we do it perfectly. You know, it's, I mean, it's in our world world too, living, you know, as two women in long-term recovery. I mean, we don't do it perfect every day. The, the fact is we have the tools that we can always improve. And I think that is the focus, right? It's like, Kate, what are the tools that you have to get you through these tough times when things are kind of going pretty imperfectly? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, I I love, I think the career coaching and the parenting kind of go hand in hand because I know probably a lot of our listeners can relate, especially as parents that we tend to do everything for the people we love, the kids, but we never actually look at ourselves and what we want. Um, you know, so do you find that those kind of, uh, you know, intertwine or like when you're talking to parents, maybe that that career part comes up as well? Well, so, uh, two things to say about that. Yes, they're intertwined. Um, I do executive coaching and career coaching and parenting coaching. And I, first I'll say that with executive coaching, it's all about leadership and organizations. And there are a ton of parallels between great leadership in organizations and great leadership in the home. Same stuff, people. So I end up modifying my role plays that um, are tried and true and positive discipline. I modify them for my executive clients all the time. (laughs) They totally work because it's basically how do we relate to other people? How do we get on the same page? How do we um, support 
and encourage and empower people to become their best selves and move towards a common goal. And it's the same stuff. And, and the career and the parenting are completely intertwined too, because everybody that I meet, I do career transition coaching and I also do career development coaching both. And um, people who are looking for a new career, um, the, the parenting part is part of the equation. It always is. And one of the exercises I have people do is take a magic wand and write about or describe your ideal career. And inevitably, that ideal career is, is, um, has to prioritize very often the people who come to me anyway, probably because of what I do, has to make room for the kind of parent that they want to be. And um, if, if the career is pushing against all of their values around family or parenthood, uh, it, people feel out of sync. They feel unhappy, they feel dysregulated a lot, maybe they want to numb out, and, and that's a sign that their career is not supporting their values as a, as a parent. I love that you talked about being at Clorox. <clears throat> for, you were there for 10 years? Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. I just, so that was back in the, in the 90s or... I was there from 97 to 2007. Yeah. So that was even, even that time. And when things were starting to change environmentally and chemically, I'm just thinking about the mindset of being at that job and having how the world was changing at that time, becoming more environmentally sound. And how old were your kids when this was happening? When you were there? So I was there, my, I was there for the birth of all three of my kids. Yeah. So um, I left when my youngest was just born. I, w- I was just finishing maternity leave and trying to decide if I wanted to go back or not. And, and then, and you didn't, but, you, and then you said, um, I found the coaching and I found my people. Mm-hmm. So the, co- I'm just imagining the contrast between the corporate Clorox <laughs> And then yeah. walking into this room of people who are really about self-development and about improving the quality of their life and not harming the world. It's just that stark black and white that I, that's how I would see it. Um, how was that transition for you? Well, first say that I had a fantastic experience at the Clorox company, great mentors, um, great culture. I, I learned so much there and I had, I loved it. It's a great company. Um, I left when I left, it was because my husband was a management consultant with BCG, Boston Consulting Group. If anybody knows what that means, it means he's never home. He was never home um, traveling and he was working in global health. And so it was uh, never home. And, um, my job at Clark's was a pretty intense job. Mm. And so when I had my third baby, I had to decide, well, I just decided I didn't think I could be um, gr- good at my job, good at a mom with three kids and a partner who was not around. So I decided to take some time off. And I did. I took some time off. Um, I explored. And the the first coaching class I took, it was interesting. Um, 
it was a stark contrast because people there were much more, um, I, the words I used at the time, touchy feely. I think that's actually the name of a Stanford Business School course that's about, you know, life coaching as opposed to capitalism. And, but I, I loved it. And um, the transition, though, I do still work with people, corporate people all the time. That That's a lot of my clients are in the corporate world and some are in nonprofits and some are not working. So all over the map. So it hasn't been, the biggest transition I think was just in me, in what I wanted to spend my time thinking about and contributing to. Um, my values had changed. That's what I discovered around when I went to this uh, coaching course is that my values had changed. And it was just enlightening to realize, oh, that's what happened. That's why when I was sitting in those meetings at Clorox talking about what shade of blue the Kingsford charcoal banner should be on the on the package, I was taking notes saying, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. My values had changed. What was important to me had changed. And while it was a great job and I loved it, um, it wasn't fulfilling me anymore. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, I work with clients on helping them find their purpose, right? And part of that work is looking at your values and what's important to you, because that is the only way you get that internal motivation to actually make those changes and have those changes actually stick. So, you know, when it comes um, to working with parents, how do you help them navigate their own behavior change? Because I mean, I, I now am very interested in all this because I'm co-parenting three girls, all of them neurodivergent, pretty serious mental health issues. Um, but I grew up, you know, as a, as with boomers as parents and it was very strict. It was, you know, they worked hard, you play hard and it was very rigid. Now, of course, as a parent and having a full-time career and all this side stuff going on, it's, it's hard. It's really, yeah. really hard. And <laughs> it it's is. like, I have to look at my values, but my <clears throat> values may not always align with what the kids need, especially because they're neurodivergent. It becomes really tricky. So I find I have to look at my own behavior. So how do you help parents navigate their own behaviors around how they raise their kids? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question, Tamara. Um, I, and I will admit, I also have two neurodiverse kids, my oldest and my second. And, and so when the third came around and was not neurodiverse, she's neurotypical, I was like, oh, wow, this is so different. <laughs> um, yeah, massive contrast. So just giving, recognizing, oh my gosh, so much of what's happening isn't about me. And it isn't about my technique or my mindset or anything. It's, 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 it's real neurological differences. And, um, but raising two neuro, neuro, a neurotypical children or neuro non-typical children has made me believe in positive discipline even more. Um, so, and the reason is, is because positive discipline, it's, it is it acknowledges that behavior change isn't about carrots and sticks. It isn't about 
rewarding the punish the the behavior you want and punishing the behavior you don't want. Um, and if I told parents who come to my parenting class, the way that we're going to change your behavior as a parent is to give you gold stars when you do something great and to shame you when you do something wrong, they would turn around and leave. Who wouldn't? <laughs> so it, it's the same for kids. Um, and there's a lot of great research now coming, um, emerging, showing that that carrot and stick approach just doesn't cut it for humans most of the time. For sometimes it might, but for most of the time, what's really going on is all sorts of stuff we can't see. So the the metaphor I like to use, and it's both for parents and children, it's for everyone, is of an iceberg. I know it's a tired metaphor, but it really works in this situation, I think, where what's on the tip of the iceberg, what you can see is behaviors. So you can see yourself shouting at your child, or you can see your child um, shutting down and and running into the room and slamming the door. Like these are things you can see. Um, That's what's on the tip of the iceberg. And that's where most traditional parenting guidance models are focused. Let's do the sticker chart. Or let's, let's, you know, let's take away your iPhone every time you slam the door in my face. So that's, that's where most parenting guidance models are focused, very traditional. Um, But what positive discipline focuses on is what's going on underneath the surface. And that's where the focus ought to be, not on the behavior, but what's, what's underneath the surface, what's, what's driving the behavior. And underneath the surface, we all have thoughts, beliefs, um, feelings, emotions, and, and then physical, physiological feelings. We have abilities or the lack thereof. We have temperaments. All of these things are driving what, what we see, the behaviors that are on the tip of the iceberg. And when we focus down under the surface, we begin to understand that behavior makes sense. There's always a reason. And, and, and if we could understand the reason, we'd see, oh, yeah, that behavior makes perfect sense. No wonder I'm yelling at my child. I'm scared to death that they're going to become addicted to gaming. Um, it's fear that's driving that that behavior. But that's you can't see that. All you can see is the angry yelling and that stuff. Um, and so... That's where positive discipline is focused, is underneath the surface. Let's be curious in a place of curiosity as opposed to, and it's hard because fear is real. And that it's, uh, I think, I think for parents, there's an instinct that mama, papa bear, non-binary bear instinct is real. And it it just comes up sometimes without our, our consciousness. Um, So Behavior is about change, is about getting curious about what's really going on underneath that water surface. And and at the root of it in positive discipline um, is Adlerian psychology. Adlerian um, psychology is named after a psychiatrist named Alfred Adler, who lived around the turn of the century. He's considered one of the big three in psychology, along with Jung and Freud. And... Um, he has a, a big philosophy, but one part of it is that 
behavior, you know, in addition to those thoughts and feelings and those abilities, um, what's underlying even those things is a feeling of belonging and significance. Two things that um, are responsible for a lot of our behaviors is our sense of belonging. I'm loved, I'm included, I'm cared for, and significance, I matter, I'm capable and competent, I'm worthy, I have some autonomy and control, belonging and significance. And when humans, children and adults alike, feel or sense that their belonging and significance is at risk, they behave in ways, sometimes even subconscious, unconscious ways, to get it back. So the belonging for positive discipline, um, both when I'm helping supporting parents change their behavior and, and supporting parents to support their kids to change their behavior, we are really focused a lot on underneath that iceberg surface and the sense of belonging is significant. So every positive discipline tool is thinking about belonging and significance. How do I give, help my child feel that they're worthy and capable? and not useless and an idiot? And how do I help them feel like they're connected and loved even when they're messing up? Um, and parents too. So it's an encouragement model. Doesn't mean that there isn't firmness. There absolutely is an accountability, but that's the focus. So for parents too, it's like, let's focus down there. Okay. There's a couple of things that are running through my mind right now. Marcelie, I'm, I'm first. I know I, I talked a, a lot. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> Sorry. it's all really great. But the first thing that comes up for me is like, okay, so somebody who's in recovery, I'm dealing with myself every day and I'm in overwhelm every day. I live in a city, which is overwhelm every day. And then I have a kid who's neurodiverse, neurodivergent, and, you know, not quite sure of the world, doesn't see what I see, continues to do this behavior. And with positive, positive parenting, it's um, making sure that they feel safe and secure and making sure, but I have to make sure that I have to feel safe and secure and significant, right? So for somebody who's listening and they're struggling with just like in the state of constant overwhelm, how do, where does she start? So where to start is, it's always with yourself. People will, um, or people once asked me, um, did positive discipline change your life? Yes, it absolutely did. But what really made the tools of positive discipline more accessible to me so that I could find them in those tense moments was the coaching training that I did, which was all about self-reflection and um, understanding me better and what I needed to feel grounded, peaceful, engaged on purpose. That helped me just stand on a more steady place from which to apply the positive discipline that I learned. So she has to go to a training. So I think it... <laughs> That's what it was for me. That was, that's what it was for me. Um, and I try 
to offer some of what I got in my coach training to all of my clients and probably what you're doing too with your your clients and your people is is helping them feel more connected to themselves um to know what they need when they're feeling that that threat below the surface of the eye and it's a threat to their belonging and significance because anytime my kid does something that I think is not okay it's a threat to my significance as a parent because mm-hmm. oh they if my kid um, is depressed or if my kid um, sasses back to their teacher it's my fault and that's that's a very uncomfortable feeling um, so to do the work and maybe it's therapy or maybe it's journaling or maybe it's a a coaching group or, or whatever to do the work, to really get in tune and connected with oneself to know what's behind underneath my surface of the iceberg. When I respond the way that I do to my children. Did I answer your question? I've kind of forgotten what it was at this point. (laughs) No, I think that's what it's like. I teach mindfulness, right? That's a big part of what I do. So mindful parenting is a part of my curriculum as well. And it's always, I cannot explore my child in a positive manner if I'm not taking care of myself. So it always comes back to that, like, you know, crazy saying, put your air mask on, the plane is going down, right? But when you're in a state of fight or flight, because your, your kid is freaking out, building that muscle or that resilience, that pause is epic. So epic. for, for our listener who's listening today and she's like, I don't even know how to get there. Right. Like there's, I don't know how to find that space and that can go, come in through, you know, contemplative thinking. It can come through mindfulness and meditation, but is there something where she can start today with the positive discipline that would help her recognize I'm in this state. I got to do something different. Something small. Like I'm just looking for a little small tidbit, I guess, to share with her. So this is a hard question. Where to start a small tidbit to just get the ball rolling in the right direction or the direction that you want it to go. Um, There's self-work. And then there's also just technical skills of positive discipline. And honestly, I think you could start in either place. I think you don't necessarily let's let's talk about a skill. I think skills skills are really practical, right? Like Mm -hmm. putting the ditches away. That's a practical step that changes the mindset from somebody being in that fight or flight moment of like your kid is freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, maybe a skill that you could like just share with her. Okay, so one skill uh, is validate feelings. And if anybody's ever taken a positive discipline class, you might know that there is a deck of 52 positive discipline cards, and they're tool cards. And each one of them has a tool or a concept. Um, so you look at positivediscipline.com, tool cards, you'll, you'll find them. And there's even an app for that for your Android or your iPhone. And one of the tools is validate feelings. 
And this is a really wonderful place to start, I think, because it can, um, if you're in that fight or flight place or moving towards it, it's a tool that can not only help your child feel more calm and regulated, but it can help you feel more calm and regulated too. So it, it, it both calms and regulates and it might invite more cooperation from your child, which is usually what's making you uncalm and unregulated in memo, which can be, right? So um, validate feelings. It's the, the mantra that I love in positive discipline that I try to live by is connection before correction. Connection before correction. Um, an example, my husband this morning <laughs> left dishes in the sink. And the dishwasher was not only empty, it was open and just awaiting, you know, dishes, please come sit with me here. <laughs> oh my God. You sure you weren't in my house? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I see the dishes in the sink and, and I'm, I'm, it's stupid little small thing, right? It's tiny. I recognize that. And yet I started to feel like a little bit of the lid flipping, the little bit of the trigger getting pushed and, and all of the thoughts about why is this so hard? And haven't we talked about this before? Yeah. Um, and uh, so the validate feelings is what I wanted to do was I wanted to go up and say, dude, what's your problem? You know, put your freaking dishes away. But um, I remember connection before correction. So while telling him that, correcting his behavior right immediately, I think, oh, well, that's going to help. That's going to do a good job. But when I do that, and it threatens his sense of connection to me, his belonging and his significance, his worthiness as a human and I'm basic, basic capability and competence as a human. So I'm going to invite a downward spiral. I'm probably not going to get the cooperation that I want. And I'm going to put a little nick, a little withdrawal in that relationship bucket. So lose, lose, even though it feels good in the moment, you know, so connection before correction might look like um, first connecting with myself to know this is all happening on the inside and that it's probably not going to be useful if I act right in that moment when my lid is flipped, I'm not regulated. Uh, that's the first connection to myself. And then connection to him um, might be wait he comes down, maybe give him a hug. Good morning. Like I hadn't seen him all morning. Perhaps I start with just good morning, a hug. And that might be all I need to do. Uh, oh, I noticed the dishes in the sink. And immediately they get cleaned up, right? So that's connection before correction. Um in, in active and and I didn't really validate feelings, so I realized I went off track here when I started connection with cor correction. Connection before correction can look like a hug. It can look like a little "How was your day?" It can look like anything, um, but it can also look like a validating feelings. Um, a kid, for example, you cut their sandwich in squares, you give it to them, and they were like, "I wanted triangles. Why don't I get triangles?" Um, I'm not going to eat this unless I get triangles. You know, I like triangles. Wow. 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 Um, correction would, could look like 
you know, your sandwich tastes the same regardless of the way it's cut. Just eat it. Um, but validating feelings, the connection first might sound like, ah, oh, you really wanted triangles and you got squares. That's disappointing. Um, and then the correction could come, or maybe it just doesn't, you know, you could just do the validating feeling, validate feeling. Sometimes that validation is all a child needs to be able to let go of the big feelings and move on. So validate feelings and starting with a connection before correction is probably, um, a great place to start. And I don't know that it's easy. So you were asking for easy. Is it easy? What do you think? I don't know how it, it's not that easy. I it's simple. I was thinking not, about all these scenarios in my own personal life that I'm like, okay, would I do the connection first? Um, but I think sometimes, and you know, let me know if I'm wrong, but especially women who are maybe newly sober or are still working on themselves and overwhelmed, like Lane talked about, sometimes that pause I feel would need to happen. So you can like maybe repeat like connection, 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 because it is, I understand now, you know, I'm, I'm a newer parent. I understand now why, why parents flip their lid because it's just, there's these little things that happen throughout the day, throughout the day, throughout the day. And then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed. You haven't regulated. And all of a sudden your child goes and slams the door and kicks the wall. Um, you know, just scenarios that happen in our home and, it is that instant you want to correct them and you want to focus on the behavior um, in the moment. So I think, you know, it's, I feel like the pause sometimes needs to happen so that we can regulate ourselves again. Like you said, that awareness, right. And that's something Lane and I talk about a lot is self-awareness. Like, what are we doing? What do we feel like doing in that moment? You know? Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. I think there's yeah the, the, the pause is key. It's hard. There, there's something to be said. I appreciate all of that, Marcelie, because we can get really heady and think about a lot of things, but when somebody actually tells us and explains something and we hear it, we're like, oh, validate my feelings. First step, right? Like, oh, that's step one. And then connect before correction. That's step two. And I'm sharing this because the other night I had my students do this observation exercise. And I just said, observe. Observe your mind. Go ahead. Go. And they're like, and they got all up in the thinking. They wanted to know what they were supposed to do. And I just let them explore, right? And then afterwards I said, so how was that? And they were like, it's so frustrating. Because we didn't have the, we didn't have the, like, what were we supposed to do? And I said, well, you were just supposed to observe. That's it. <laughs> like, they wanted more information. Where's right? my rubric? Right, right. That's what they, so it's really good to have really clear, like, to give our listeners, right? So we're step one mm -hmm. is validate for, you know, validate our feelings. Like, oh, my goodness, that totally hurt my feelings. Or I feel angry. I am so angry right now, right? Just having those directions makes life easy because when we're in that state of you know ah, freak out the dishes aren't put away <laughs> there's like what what am I thinking about ah, I'm just thinking about the dishes and how I'm not getting my needs met but if I have a clear set of directions to kind of follow in the morning that makes my life so much easier 
So the, the connection before correction is huge. <laughs> like that's a game changer. So I hope our listeners are really like, oh, and that can happen in not only our relationship with our kids, but to our partners, to the barista who just made the latte the wrong way, uh, to the dog walker who's late, uh, to the guy who's giving you a ticket, right? Like there's so many places where To that... your direct reports at work, right? um, to your peers at work, yes. every, everybody, yeah. All of it, like that connection before correction to yourself. I mean, that's right. like, we just start then. Like, I got to connect with myself. That's gold. Gold. Marsley, gold. I'm loving it. Uh, I thought of it, all these it, examples it, already. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, I had it like on a poster in my kitchen for like 10 years um, to try to remember. And for me, sometimes I would replace it with connection before perfection. Um, so you know, the dishes on the, I asked my son to set the dishes on the table and they look all wonky and it's not even in the forks upside down. It's on the wrong side, whatever. And, um, <laughs> I don't need this. He's helping. That's progress, right? We're going for progress, not perfection. That's a big part of positive discipline too, is progress, not perfection. And so for me, correct connection before perfection is a little play that is helpful for me. I can't wait to go practice that. <laughs> yeah, you know, cause a good example, we woke up this morning and um, well, we were already up, but getting ready and came downstairs and there's paper, little clippings everywhere on the floor, everywhere mm -hmm. on the floor because our eight-year-old decided she was going to start her little project early and cut up a whole bunch of paper and it was a, it was like a paper bomb went off in the living room. <laughs> and of course she drags it into the kitchen and it's instantly oh. like, my partner was like, what are you doing? You know, and she works with kids like this. So she has to practice a lot of this stuff, but working and then doing it full time at night, mm -hmm. it becomes, you know, overwhelming. Yes. And it was that, you know, I just thought like, had we, I'm going to bring this up like later on today at, at home, but, um, you know, having that connection, like, Hey, oh, wow, that's cool. Like, look at your making your project and you, you know, it doesn't really make sense to us, but like validating You're having so much fun did. with your paper. Yeah. So, you know, how about we clean up the floor for the next project, you know, because instead it was like, you have to clean this up and then you get that pushback. It's like, no, it's not my fault. And then upstairs mm -hmm. slammed the door. Right. And it wasn't even an intense moment. But all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I did something wrong, right? She's thinking, runs upstairs, and then it, it can just progress from there. So I just, that's gold. I I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad. It's, it's a big deal. Um, and just to emphasize, there's a lot of ways to do the connection part. And a lot of ways, it could be a hug, it could be... Um, how was your day before we get into the fact that you forgot once again to turn in your permission form for the field trip? You know, mm -hmm. what happened today? Tell me about your day or what was something that made you laugh today? Any connection could look like even just a, a touch, a squeeze of a hand or a rub of a back. And, and then it can look like the validating feelings and the empathizing and, and helping someone understand that you get 
why they are feeling the way they are feeling, even if you disagree with it, because there's plenty of times when I have thought my child's feelings were way out of control and did not make sense. So I don't have to agree, but feelings are real, always real. So validating that their feelings were real to them is, is all that, that, that I'm, I'm saying. I'll go ahead, Nine. No, I'm just thinking about the belonging and feeling significant and how, you know, we're coming out of this, the crisis that we were under for three years, four years, and just thinking about children and kids and teenagers and how, you know, mental health is such a huge issue right now for young America, or not even young America, young global, (laughs) you know, it's like, and so instilling this, um, the sense of belonging for them and letting them know that they're important, that they're significant, but that has to come from a parent who is working on themselves, knowing that that parent is significant and feels like they're heard and seen and loved, right? There's, this is so layered, (laughs) like there's, and it's so nuanced, right? It's, it's like, we have to start working on ourselves in order to have our kids feel this way. But then we're looking at, I'm looking at a global scenario. So for women who are out there and they're just feeling like I do sometimes, which is pretty hopeless. Like a lot of times I'm feeling pretty hopeless about the state of the world. Is there something that she can do for herself? Maybe once a month, just once a month to help her, kind of ground into herself to feel like she's more significant and that she belongs here. Or what do you do? Okay, well, what I do is what I should have done a <laughs> long long time ago. I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a journey for all of us, right? Yeah, and it is. You start where it makes sense for you and it's going to be different for every person. Um but what one of the things that I did, I don't know, 15 years ago, I'll tell you a little, very quick story. Okay. I have a group of friends. Or I had a group of friends, women friends, and every Wednesday we would go walking um, in a nearby beautiful cemetery. And um, one day, one of the friends brought a camera and she said, let's take pictures. And so we posed for all of these pictures. This is when my kids were elementary and middle school. And um, we posed for all these pictures. And then a few days later, she sent them to us. And I opened up the pictures. And I started to weep. I just started to weep. And I was like, why am I crying? What, what is this all about? And I realized I was crying because the pictures were of me and my friends, my life. They weren't about my kids or my family. It was me, my life. And I was like, oh my God, I have a, a, there is a me in here that is just me. It's not a mom. It's not a wife. It's, it's a friend. It's, it's a human. And, um, having that realization was huge. So the very small thing I might say would be to recognize that having your own friends, your own interests, your own thing, whatever it is, singing, um, gardening, 
hiking with a friend once a month, that, um, that feeds your sense of self so that you can show up as a better human for everybody else. It's the oxygen mask thing again, I'm sorry to say, but, um, and what I'm doing for myself now is I, I am practicing, I'm trying to really practice. Well, my word for the year is equanimity. So evenness of mind. And I, I have to be honest, that was last year's word too, but I need it again. <laughs> I need to re um, You keep trying. It's yeah. Great. You're just practicing. And I will be for the rest of my life. I know that, but I wanted to keep it again. But with a twist this year, my word is equanimity, but with self-compassion mm-hmm. and gratitude as a path mm-hmm. to equanimity as my way in the door. So what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm reading Kristen Neff's book on self-compassion and I just got her workbook and, and I'm going to start doing some workbook exercises, but even listening to the book and having some simple practice of this stupid little thing is giving myself a hug mm-hmm. um, or putting my hands on my heart when something hard happens, um, especially with my kids. Cause when anything happens with my kids, um, I, it's just torturous for me. <laughs> Your kids in, in feeling crap. It's, it's very hard not to take that in. So that's a time to give myself a hug. I'm not alone. There's other people going through this just like me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're there, baby, you know, it makes sense that you feel this way. Brilliant. Tamar, when was the last time you gave yourself a hug? Oh, I just want to give myself a hug right now. <laughs> yes! If you're listening, hug yourself. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know. Does that sound cheesy? Uh, it, it, no, it, not at I, all. I practice it and I, I'm like, oh, actually, that does feel pretty okay. It's good. I love it. I'm, I'm big on the pro, I mean, the self hugs. I'm, I actually mm-hmm. I put my hands on my body a lot and hold my heart. Mm-hmm. I yeah, that's a good lot. one. I do too. that like several times a day. And I also tap my heart at night and say, I love you. Mm, nice. Which is really nice. kind of, it, it, that's next level. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like it feels next level. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Marcy, I have just loved this conversation. Tamar, do you have anything else that you want to bring up? I just it's loved so it good. all. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you were talking about, you know, you, you're hanging out with your friends and you're in the cemetery and you see these pictures, I thought like identity, like we, as I think moms, we get caught up in this identity that we're just a mom or we're just a career woman. And it's like, no, we're so much more than that. And we need that community. We need that self like that to be able to go off and do our own thing. So like you said, we can show up better for those we love. And I love that you mentioned that because that's, it's so true. Yeah. Where are people going to find you? Because they're going to, they need to know about this. My website is called workingparenting.com. Workingparenting.com. So you can find me there. And she uh, does coaching. She has classes, workshops, right? Workshops and things. Well, I I do coaching. Um, I I went part-time. I'm putting that in quotes. 
because I filled it with other stuff. But um, so I'm not offering um, parenting classes to the general public anymore, but I will offer them to uh, an organization. If you've got a group, um, I just don't want to fill the classes anymore, but I will offer them. I love and I do speaking events and workshops on parenting still all the time. And I love it. I love doing it. I love supporting parents. Um, huge amount of purpose behind that. Mm-hmm. And I'm also an executive and career coach. So that's, that's, uh, but you can find me on workingparenting.com and reach out if you want to connect. Beautiful. Tamar, it's been real, so real today. Thank you for hanging out. Yeah, it's been amazing. I came out of this with so, so mm-hmm. many more tools and a very simple one as well. Connection before correction. Yeah, it's so powerful. Marcy, thanks so much for hanging out with us. You're welcome. My pleasure. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Laughing Without Liquor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Living in recovery can be a blast, and we are glad you're laughing without the liquor with us. We hope you'll join us again in the next episode. Until then, take care.